seasonal explorations. Hello, hello. This is Alia and Eva tuning into the cosmic ass of the universe. <laughs> hello, Alia. I'm just trying to imagine. I'm trying to imagine what picture that brings to people's asses. They're like, how do you tune into a universal ass? So how do you? Please let us know what comes to you when you tune into the cosmic ass. We would really love to know. Especially we would appreciate drawings, pictures, or any sort of visual representations of that. I'd love to see them. Kabam. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Now let's, let's get serious. <laughs> I, I think we were, weren't we? Totally. And that's the thing. With the third episode of Seasonal Explorations, we're tuning into Sagittarius energy. And this is a perfect start, I would say, because what is Sagittarius? It is wisdom and fun. Fun wisdom. It's the best combo. It's the best combo. What did you, you described it, was it in the first episode or in one of our conversations? Sagittarius mm -hmm. likes to party, but deep. And I just think that's there one is of like the, the best party. Oh, fuck yeah. Sagittarius, so let's party deep. Exactly. Um, so we are well in the eclipse season that started with a lunar eclipse in Taurus in the middle of November. And now we are approaching the Sagittarius solar eclipse, which is actually going to be the last one of the Sagittarius Gemini axis of the North Node and the South Node that we've been experiencing in the past year and a half. So with eclipse seasons, I like to say that it is even crazier than normally. <laughs> So what does that mean? Give us a bit more of like, what is some stuff we can expect coming up in this eclipse season? Mm. Yes. So the thing is that this is the energy that is known to us already because we've been in this axis play for a while now. So the solar eclipse in Sagittarius means that it is like a new moon, but amplified. And the eclipses happen when the moon, the sun, or the <laughs> opposition of those two is near the south node or the north node. So the lunar nodes that are actually just points in the sky, they're not planets. And the south node mm, represents our karmic patterns, the energy that we came here to release in a way. And this one, with this one, we are completing some significant karmic cycles. Uh, it is like a, yeah, a powerful beginning that is connected to some Sagittarius themes. What are the main themes that you would think of? Mm. So if I had to put it in a few words, what comes up the most is truth-seeking, belief systems, freedom, and higher knowledge and when I say mm -hmm. higher knowledge it stretches from the questions or themes of spirituality religion philosophy etc so it's basically looking for a higher meaning of things and now if I had to put it in a few sentences <laughs> to get the context um as a Sagittarius moon, I am here to represent the fire torch of Sagittarius energy. 
what's really at the core of Sagittarian energy is that it wants to grow and expand. And that is most often through big understandings and higher perspectives. At the core of this energy, which we all carry inside, right? This is why I, what I keep bringing up is that we are not just one sign. We are all, we embody all of the signs in different ways and different intensities. But the Sagittarian energy in us wants to know and understand. It wants the truth. So in a way, you could say that Sagittarian has that constant drive for aspirations to get mm. to the core of things. <laughs> Yeah, it's, a, I, I, it's an energy I actually really like. I mm -hmm. don't have any of the my major planets in Sagittarius and so on, but it's definitely also some other aspects that you didn't mention, but like freedom and travel and so on, right? All of those are also associated with Sag and it's mm. something I love. But Alia, do you maybe want to um, elaborate a bit more on the container of this episode to bring some structure to our flow? <laughs> Yay, structure, my favorite. Yeah, absolutely. So in this episode, what we're really going to look at is how this searching for truth happens in a, in a very practical way. Mm. So we decided to actually share with you a little bit our own stories with what was our paths towards discovering our truth. And so we're going to start with our early on lives and religious backgrounds, mm. which is where a lot of us first get in touch with these topics and start feeling into them and experimenting with them, if I may say so. Ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> and then um, we're going to move on to how we got to where we are now, which is very different to where we started and involved precisely what Sagittarius is all about discovering higher truth, experimenting with different things and expanding into what truth means to us. So if we're ready, I would like to just invite you, Eva, if you can start and tell us a little bit about your background. What was your journey? I mean, I think Fuck. this is super cool because we actually don't know the stories from each other. Like we haven't talked about it. So what we're talking about today is news to both of us. So I'm really curious to actually hear this. Mm, okay buckle up like me coming with my Sagittarius moon you coming with your Pisces moon and they're both connected to the question of spirituality that higher deeper knowing so it's gonna be quite an episode <laughs> getting real personal here mm, yeah the early experiences <laughs> so I actually come from a highly religious upbringing and it started with a Catholic church, like every, almost everyone in this area where we come from. But then when I was around six years old, my father discovered a different kind of church under the umbrella of Christianity. And so basically we started going to a different kind of church that very strictly followed the Bible and the holy day that they celebrate is Saturday, not Sunday as in the Catholic. And so in a way I was giving, given a very strict belief system early on. I was reading the Bible when I was seven, you know? Wow. <laughs> and yeah, and it really, I feel impacted the course of my life. I 
took it as my truth back then because I didn't have that kind of discernment. And so I was even trying to convert my friends to believe in the right God. <laughs> in a way, I am now trying to convert people to love themselves more. So, you know, <laughs> some things stay the same. <laughs> but what I really observe looking at it now is that this new religion that I was kind of thrown into created a lot of separation in me. So tell me, can you, can you tell me a little bit more about like how did that influence your day-to-day life mm-hmm. and how did it influence the things you believed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So more than the practical aspects, what I am left with now, just the, the feeling around it. How a lot of people in the church, from where I was standing, they were just blindly believing what was written in the Bible. There is no real discernment. Everything from the Bible is taken quite literally. And there are like million possible interpretations of what is written in the sacred book, which I have nothing against. But then the interpretation that comes with a set of belief systems, which has historically been put in place, in order to control us and keep us small. And that religious notion of, we came here on earth to suffer and (laughs) to obey. It almost goes like this. The more you suffer, the more likely you are to get into heaven. That's kind of what I got from it as a kid. Yes. What really bothered me was that I felt like everyone in the church were just pretending faking while trying to make it (laughs) even us you know we would get into a fight at home before going to church but then once we got there we put on a smile and a facade and pretended like everything's right and hallelujah god but for me god is about truth freedom presence love and i didn't recognize any of that in the system Mm. or yeah container of the church and what they were preaching yeah so then I went on and searched freedom in other ways (laughs) mostly drugs sex and rock and roll hey yeah (laughs) especially drugs and it's interesting because you know the search for the higher to experience more that deep knowing that there is more to meet the eye that sense has never left me and that has kind of been the beginning that you know led me to other things but I've always been super sensitive to energies I just didn't know how to handle them so I went into numbing Mm -hmm. and even I feel like a big aspect of church is numbing because they give you a belief system as the truth And they don't allow you to question it and explore it. And that is the opposite of what God represents to me. Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, if they gave you freedom to actually explore it and question it, it wouldn't hold, you know? (laughs) I mean... Shocking. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny how we talk about spiritual bypassing with the only light and love movement, which... I do believe there's only love, but that love is not only in light. Mm. (laughs) But what about religious bypassing? I mean, 
I don't think we need that word because religion itself, I feel, encompasses the ignorance already. (laughs) So what would you say? Ah, Let me think about how to ask a question. Why do we need belief systems? Why is that such an important part of our existence? I feel like this, these belief systems are, are safety nets usually. And there can be very powerful doorways to deeper understandings, to deeper connection with ourselves, the spirit. But I do think they're basically coping mechanisms <laughs> um, for yeah, our human yeah. to survive in this 3D reality. Yeah, right. It's in a way, I feel a lot of the time, belief systems bring together two components. One component is making sense of the world around us Mm. and the other component is belonging to a certain group which ties Mm. a lot into the theme of the previous episode if anyone's interested in that Mm. and I think it's super interesting because I I never I I don't think I ever thought about these questions really that much in depth but one thing that's coming to me now is that I think these belief systems can be very useful until they start becoming very limiting to human being when they start imposing certain boundaries and limits on what you believe you're capable of, what you believe you're worthy of. And I think that's a problem that we see with a lot of belief systems these days, that Mm. they create a separation. Because if you identify with a belief system too strongly, then by default, you you can't identify with a different belief system, right? Because there is a sort of a gap that you can't overcome between the two. What was your experience with that? I resonate with a lot of things that you said. I mean, same as you, you know, I, I come from Slovenia, right? And Slovenia is predominantly Roman Catholic with very mm. small exceptions. You don't really get a choice. Everybody I knew with very few exceptions was raised either by parents who didn't go to church or mm. by in like Roman Catholic sort of tradition. And so my family is a little bit mixed. So my dad is not religious. Although I would say that he's got a much greater potential for spirituality than a lot of other people. He's a double Sagittarius, actually. And you can mm. see he's, he seeks higher knowledge in science mm-hmm. when with his fascination with nature. Mm-hmm. And the way he approaches that is so much more spiritual than most religious people I've known. So I really like we vibe on this 100%. Oh, wow. But my mom was very, very religious, still is. And... Um, very much in this Roman Catholic tradition sort of way. So I was raised, you know, going to religious education, going to church every Sunday, attending also some of the summer camps, like organized by church and so on. Did you have sex on a summer camp? At the summer camp? I did not. Oh, fuck. I I unfortunately don't have that story. Religion (laughs) gone wrong. (laughs) Like 100%. They achieved the opposite. Um, But, you know, I was a person who very early on started having problems with dogma like I'm I'm pretty bad with the rules if I feel like they don't make sense still I don't have a I I don't defy rules out of principle I'm not a person who's like fuck you I'm not gonna do what you tell me because you tell me to do it but if it doesn't make sense I won't do it and I was getting into arguments with my teachers from kindergarten on the entirety of the time and of course strict sort of dogma of the church didn't fly too well with me there so what started happening quite early on was that 
um, I had uh, quite a big conflict because on the one hand, as you know, having a Pisces moon, spirituality came very naturally to me. I also could sense the energetic changes in my environment easily, especially in different spaces. Mm. Um, and I have no problem, you know, conceiving of concepts like, you know, the spiritual world, God, and so on. I was like, yeah, like that makes sense to me. You know, most people be like, God makes no sense. I was like, God makes perfect sense. But I never could sense it in church, right? That was the last place where I felt like I had any sort of connection with that. The way I connected with God from very early age onwards was nature, being outside in beautiful spaces, especially the mountains, large open spaces, mm -hmm. and music. Music has always been huge to me. The only times in the church when I felt like it was when there was really phenomenal music happening and not like the traditional, you know, kind of like organ and old people singing, but especially when they would bring younger, younger people in and, you know, they would have a guitar and they would play like this music that was really just high vibration. Like you listen mm. to it and you're like, it has a high vibration to it. Mm. And so that was for me when I was starting to get kind of like, I, these two things just don't seem compatible to me. Mm. I love that you brought the singing aspect because I find so much joy in singing now, like even mantras. However, back in church, I, I didn't want to sing because the lyrics just annoyed the shit out of me because they were always based to like that God which is outside of us yes. somewhere there to whom we were trying to plead or yeah. just get to God once we die and when you come and take us up into the heavens I'm like hey na 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 you know what you said God is in nature God is present here it's always <laughs> been a sense that has rank you know it felt like that deep heart expansion when I connect to that the energy of that rather than God being somewhere there judging us. Totally. In a sense, I believe that everything is God. Whatever we touch can get us closer to God. And to leave from the place of everything is God, oh, it brings a whole different quality to living. <laughs> I was getting into arguments about these things very early on um, and caused quite a bit of problems to some of the, you know, <laughs> teachers, religious teachers, because it was this unfortunate combination of me actually being very highly logical and intelligent very early mm -hmm. on. And I was with pure logic, like destroying them in the conversations mm -hmm. and calling them out on their bullshit. Right. Because a lot of the time you would get this classical thing of like you would ask a question for an explanation of what they were talking about. And it would be like, you're just too young to understand. Oh, yes, like and that was, yeah, like I, you know, I was like, sweetie, I'm not too young to understand. <laughs> sweetie, let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you. And I would just be like, no, like this is bullshit. You just don't know what to answer. You clearly can't communicate with us. Like this is just shitty presentation, you know? Um, and so at some point I basically got to the point where I was like, I need to get out of okay. here. Like I need to reject this entire institution and everything that is trying to teach me because it doesn't resonate mm. with me. It's what you said is that it doesn't feel right at any of the levels and I can't get behind you 
on one hand, preaching presumably love and acceptance, and on the other hand, telling me that LGBT people are not mm. okay, gay people shouldn't get married. If you're not religious and you don't believe in this specific God, you can't get into heaven. Like you're preaching mm -hmm. separation. Oh, and I, I find it so interesting that you mentioned, you know, I needed to separate myself from that. That I feel is a very important aspect of any kind of growing up process. Yes. But it was very true for me too. Um, I started hating God. I rejected God throughout my teenage years because I needed to develop that kind of distance to be able to tune into what God means to me, to continue seeking that truth and freedom in my own ways. And also to have the freedom to fuck up and be wrong. And God knows I did it. <laughs> I did it well. <laughs> yeah, I think at every level of growth, right? It's what Jung called individuation. And mm. it happens in all aspects of life. You, It's all about sometimes rejecting, sometimes questioning and reflecting on the belief systems that you were raised with right i mean we have what, what i see really more people need to start becoming aware of is the fact that most of the stuff you believe in most of the stuff you have is not yours it is not yours mm -hmm. to survive you had to literally download programs in your mind right so if you think of your brain as a computer you come here with a computer that's empty it has all of the hardware and potentiality to work right the wires are there aka your neurons, mm -hmm. the signals are there, but there's no software, there's no programs. Mm -hmm. And then you have to download the programs and download is the first seven years of your life, roughly, where you observe your environment and you're taught all the things. And this mm -hmm. conditioning is what is literally hardwired into your brain and it can be changed. It totally can be changed, but that has to happen through awareness and questioning and sometimes straight up rejection of those things so that you get rid of certain conditioning patterns and you can then bring in your own ones that actually feel true to you, mm -hmm. which is what the path of seeking higher truth and knowledge is to me all about. Yeah. And just like the truth, at least in practical terms, in our 3D reality, truth changes. Yes. We can talk about... Uh, relative truths versus the absolute the ultimate truth but yeah on a practical level on our spiritual path that truth changes and so can our belief systems and in the past year and a half we've been collectively experiencing the south node traveling through Sagittarius which means that our belief systems have been questioned big time. And we see it when we look around, yeah? And we also see <laughs> more and more separation of that black and white, opinionated, judgmental outlooks on structures of life. So more than ever, it is important to tune in and check what does truth represent to you? How do you recognize the truth? How you feel your truth? I would really be interested in breaking down a little bit more this idea of what is truth? You know, you say we keep searching for truth mm. and looking for it. And truth seems to be a very volatile and elusive mm. <laughs> concept a lot of the time. So what would you 
what would you say like what does truth represent to you like to your your Sagittarius moon how do you view it how do you approach these questions hmm. what is truth to me hmm. to me truth represents that okay no what I'm gonna say is that I don't know what truth is <laughs> I have no idea I feel like even thinking about what truth is brings a limitation, but it is that drive, that desire, that pull to get to the truth of our existence that I think drives our lives in, in some ways. So I do see it as a deep remembrance of who we are, of what is life what we came here to be and experience and it comes often in a form for me of intuitive knowing um, intuitive knowing that brings about an expansion of the heart this is what truth means to me whatever brings me closer in a more loving intimacy awareness of who i am at my core, like beyond the mind and the thought processes, etc. We have become so identified with our thought processes. And even that need to, uh, to understand comes from that, that we need to know. And this has been a huge lesson for me throughout the Scorpio season. And this is what I feel this solar eclipse in Sagittarius is also asking us to you know, the South Node, what we are releasing at zero degrees. It is the degree of not knowing. It is a completion or a restart, whatever you want to call it. But it's like trusting the energy to carry you through without knowing. And this is where that adventurous quality of Sagittarius comes that is actually now encouraging us to go without knowing like going without knowing that is that adventure of life so even though as a Sagittarius energy loves to understand I think that truth lies beyond the understanding this is where you know that what is a relative relative truth versus the ultimate truth right I think whatever we can discuss about the truth is going to be a relative one it's going to be the subjective one um, and I think um, only the awareness in us, which is beyond the mind, beyond the thoughts, is able to know the truth. To me, what truth means is there's a beautiful word in Sanskrit, svasta, which means seated in the self. Mm. When you're so aligned that you feel like you can hold your ground no matter what comes at you, not because of ego not because of defiance, not because you need to be right, but because what is your inner truth is so solid and strong and powerful that there's just nothing that can move you. Mm -hmm. And it's just your inner state of complete peace, personal power, and limitless potentiality. <sighs> And it is felt for me in the heart center yeah. most strongly. Expansion through the chest that then almost pours itself into the belly, into the womb space, and feels like it anchors you into the ground 
while being completely receptive to the inspiration coming from the source, the higher knowledge. Mm. The truth always feels empowering. It doesn't have to be comfortable. It doesn't mean the things are easy, but it's empowering. It feels like expansion. Mm. It feels like solidity. And then the fear and the pain that the truth sometimes brings is a super alive concept or thing here too. It is not always the truth is not always comfortable. No. <laughs> How can you be with the discomfort of that truth and be really honest with yourself? And I think that what is bringing the greatest discomfort right now to people is the absence of knowing what is true. Yes. It's uncertainty. And because of that, this is what polarizes us because yes. we have to latch onto something. It's either black or it's white, but none of us are comfortable in just sitting in this gray zone and saying, you know what? I don't fucking know what's happening. <laughs> oh. I, this is like, I have a feeling that's telling me which direction I want to move into But can I say with any kind of certainty, this is right mm -hmm. and this is wrong. I don't think there's anyone in this world who can do this right now. Mm. And at the end of the day, this is what this period right now is calling us into. At least that's been the lesson yeah. for me. Sitting down and being comfortable with the discomfort of not knowing. Mm -hmm. What I am now learning, and this is an ongoing process for me, and I think for most people in our generation, will be a lifelong work, is to tune into our bodies mm -hmm. and our heart center and our womb center and our bellies and seek truth within ourselves, learning how to tune into the ultimate truth, which lies beyond this reality, and into yourself mm -hmm. getting more interested in what is your personal truth because information on the internet is not going to get you there it can't and it will just reinforce your already pre-existing biases and beliefs because you're going to use those to find the answer you're going to seek the information that reaffirms them and then you're just stuck in a vicious circle and you can't break out of it So without transcending the mental aspect, we can call it the ego mm -hmm. and conditioning that all that matters is the intellectual. <laughs> Aho, fuck yeah, amen. And all of the rest. You know, I mentioned the South Node, which does in astrology represent the energies that we are kind of releasing, transmuting, letting go of. And it is that rigid outlook on what truth, higher knowledge is. And on the other side, because South Node, North Node, they work in axis. So on the opposite end, the North Node represents the energies that we're learning, embodying more of. And that has been traveling through Gemini. And the lesson that I would like to extract from that is looking at which belief systems, which kind of truth do not work for us on a personal and collective level anymore. How can we release that need to know and understand and instead with that Gemini curiosity just be more open for different kind of information different kinds of truth and listen and not attach to any of them too deeply yeah 
Exactly. And that's what I'm seeing, right? It's just stay curious, stay open to other perspectives, right? Especially right now, this is a thing with something that we are all called to actually do. Stop separating, Mm. stop judging, just tune into the other frequency of the person you're talking to and just get curious. You don't have to agree. You don't have to, you know, the conversation can happen without convincing Mm. others that they're right. Yeah, I I have to say that instead of stopping, I would say go even deeper into it, connect to the essence of it, the energy that this judgment carries. Yeah, going back to the Scorpio season. (laughs) Yeah, how can we be with those judgments instead of running away from them? And this is why we do spiritual practices to be able to hmm, be in deep presence with that truth. Yeah. And there's, there's one thing I would like to add here, just something that really happens to me when I tap into this truth mm. is that it feels like you are tapping into a part of yourself that is bigger and older than yourself. That despite the fears that might come up, doubts, this, comfortable, this, this uncomfortable feelings, you feel held in this truth. It's almost as there is a greater mother, father, you know, ancestors, Mm -hmm. the greater spirit who is holding you. And it's like, I've got your back. There's this clarity, which is like, I'm not alone and I can do this. And I have the power to move through it because I know it's the right thing for me. And just the sense of clarity and being held that comes with it, it feels supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love, presence, freedom, pure consciousness. Yeah. Those juicy things. Yeah. Do you think there is an absolute truth? Uh, it's a difficult question. Um, I think there is an absolute truth when we dive into if you define absolute truth as something that is timeless, mm. something that is limitless, something that always remains remains true, no matter what happens, then I do believe there is an absolute truth that exists beyond our time and space, beyond of what we perceive in current reality. reality. And it is the truth that you talk about, the one that we cannot comprehend through our mind, mm. but we can tap into it through our heart, through our spirit. Mm. To me, this is the only thing I would ever consider calling the absolute truth. Mm. And one thing I would love to add based on what you said before is that I think perhaps an interesting question is not only to ask what is an absolute truth, but what isn't. Because a lot of the time we call things true based on our own mental perception of them. So we may perceive Mm. something as true and another person may not perceive it as true. Mm. Something I'm seeing is a big problem in today's society in general, because first of all, what happened is that throughout our upbringing, we have been emphasizing the Mm. intellectual aspects of us, right? So it's all about the information and knowing the it's about a mental aspect of your existence. (laughs) So when people are searching for truth, they are searching for external information. Now, the issue is you're going to find 
anything you want today in the internet. Yes, like, evidence. It evidence for everything. Everybody can be right, right? So truth <laughs> is really I am I can't tell you what is true based if I go and google it on the internet and I don't think anyone can. I mean anything can be true for anything can be true. Different people on dif- at different stages in their lives exactly. with different arguments with different set of beliefs. Exactly. So arguing what is the ultimate truth can we even get to it with our rational minds? No. I, I don't believe <laughs> no. we can. I don't believe we can. Like, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I was raised in a scientific family, very analytical family, mm-hmm. and pursued this entire thing for years, right? And one thing I'm so clear on is that I I don't know if I believe in facts anymore, you know? People are like, let's fact <laughs> check that. everything. And I'm like, man, like, I don't know. I'm looking at all of this research out there and a lot of it is super volatile anyways. And mm-hmm. if you change the conditions a little bit, right? The big thing, if you change the conditions mm. a little bit of any experiment, you would get very different results. Mm-hmm. That's a classical story we see, right? Facts don't convince people. It doesn't matter when you're so strongly holding on to a certain belief system. It doesn't matter what else people show you. Even if it's going literally 180 degrees the opposite direction, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, no doesn't matter. I'm going to keep believing what I've always believed and my parents believed and my grandparents believed. Mm. And then we start finding ourselves in exactly a situation like we're seeing ourselves to be in right now. Yeah. When people are extremely polarized, they don't want to listen to the other side. They don't want to look at mismatches in the data out there. They don't want to look at things that may not be the way they are presented to us. And they just keep on holding on to the thing that they decided to believe in. And that's one sure way to not end up in a very good place, I would say. I feel like you said a key word, decided to believe in. I think at the end of the day, our truth is still our choice. So our truth is our responsibility. And I often love to say that in a world where one can believe in anything, why not believe in mermaids? (laughs) I totally agree. I totally agree uh-huh. in that. And so I think this is really calling us into a really beautiful opportunity to stop outsourcing the authority mm-hmm. and get in touch with what is our truth? What are we choosing to believe? And exactly in a world where you can believe anything, why not believe in mermaids? Why not believe in love? Why not mm-hmm. believe in the fact that we can make this world a phenomenal place, a heaven on earth? And so many people choose not to, right? Yeah. And I think, again, as you said, that is a choice. Yes, exactly, exactly. So even though I practice astrology with my astrology sessions or Akashic Record sessions, which is in a way, you know, in, comes in the package of the higher knowledge, right? Um, but whatever that I convey or anyone else that is a guru, a teacher, the channel, whatever they call themselves, a shaman, it is so important to acknowledge that it is not the ultimate truth. It is an interpretation of a part of the truth. And yeah, to not give authority to these external forces, but really checking in with yourself. What gives you that expansion of heart, liberation of the soul? It feels like lifting you up and just liberating your energy. And if it doesn't do that, it's probably not the greatest. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think for too long, we have 
lived as a society in this very oppressive mode where mm. we keep believing that there's you know a small percentage of humans in the world who are really great and who should be leading everyone etc and then everybody else kind of has no idea what they're doing and that's not true we're all coming from the same source we are all magical incredibly powerful unique beings that are here with their certain purpose mm. and the moment you give that up you have in a way I don't want to use the word betray because it's quite strong, but I'm going to use it. You're kind of betrayed yourself. Mm. You have disconnected yourself from yourself, from your essence, from your powerful self. And this to me, what I would love to touch on here is the this question of guru mm -hmm. as well, because this is a huge part of the Sagittarian archetype as well. It's right. The archetype of teacher, the guru. Mm. And I have seen a lot of that. I still see it of people seeing gurus as someone external to them mm -hmm. and putting all of the power again in the hands of that person. Mm -hmm. And that can be a teacher, can be a doctor, can be a meditation guru or a spiritual guru, what not. But again, I think it's important to be very careful here because we see this over and over again. Even this idea of a guru, I think a lot of people associated with someone who's better than them, mm. someone who's, they may have done more than you. They may have seen more than you, but that doesn't mean, make them any more worthy than you. And that definitely doesn't mean that they know what's best for you. Mm. Yeah, I love what Brandas is. We're just souls walking each other home right so it's just like mm. we're on the same path together but okay <laughs> awesome super romantic love it but I also want to know what was that uncomfortability that kind of catapulted you into more of your own truth of questioning the belief systems and kind of that expanded your sense of spirituality oh my god <laughs> yes god yes god everywhere it's oh my god i'm trying god to feel into it oh god god is present okay 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 so it was my last year of university which is now four years ago maybe god i'm fucking old man um what Ooh. is time so <laughs> Something that happened to me in the process of growing up was that I had to repress a lot of the parts of me that weren't, um, I don't know, just weren't accepted or weren't encouraged, which we all do, which we all do. But as I said, I was raised in a family where both of my parents were scientists. And then, you know, I was also raised in this culture that I'm sure a lot of people here will be familiar with, which is like, if you do arts and humanities, A, you're not that smart, and B, you're not going to get a job. So you should get into the scientific spheres if you have any sort of interest and talent into that. And I was always a kid who was just interested in everything. I loved humanities. I loved history. I loved art. I loved music. And I loved scientific challenge of problem solving. So then I was like, okay, you know, fine. I guess I'm going to do science because apparently that's what I need to survive, right? Like This is what this conditioning is. Oh, wait, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> God <Hello>. bless you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is so interesting because you do have Jupiter in Sagittarius and Jupiter is that 
drive to explore, to know, to understand, to engage with. And so often we are thought that we need to pick one thing and stick to it and master it. And what I feel this uh, Sagittarius Gemini axis teaches us that, well, you can have a broad spectrum of that and create your own mastery within that. You decide what kind of a master you're going to be or actually life decides through the challenges it brings you. But yeah, just that sense of like having a wide interest is a gift. It is not a distraction necessarily. Totally. And I mean, the the more I go, you know, I'm continuing my path and integrating all of the things that interest Mm -hmm. me, the more I'm learning that this truly is a gift, right? And it's something that to me is in a way unique and I only I can work with these gifts in a certain way that I meant to, right? Dharma. But the thing is that I was raised, man, like I would hear this from my mom so many times. It's like, you just have to focus on one thing. Like you just jump all over the place and you're obsessed with a new thing every other week. And like, you know, you put all your energy into it. And mm-hmm. it was a sort of a thing that we were told, like, it's not actually great to have, you know, focus, limit yourself to one thing and get really good at it. You know, if you, if you see the symbol of Sagittarius, it is an arrow. It is going to the core, but it has to go through certain layers. But then the question is, what is the destination that we're all trying to get to? What, where are we trying to get? <laughs> you know, I think this one thing is still important, but to define or be aware of what that one thing is, that is not only the one external doing manifestation, but what is that one thing at the core that drives us? Exactly, exactly. And this is why you go through so much exploration when you have a desire for this. But so back to the story, back to the story, because we can move so far from here. (laughs) What was happening is that I went through this entire process, you know, high school and then university, and I was in this very I'm going to call it dogmatic because I see science as being very dogmatic. Actually, I I can't get away from that religion. It is a new religion. Like science has become a new religion. If it's proved by science, it's right. And don't question it. And if you question it, you're an anti-vaxxer and you're stupid. Basically, it's the message we're told. That guys is dogma. That is religion. You should always question things. But I was in this environment and while I learned a lot of stuff that I loved and were really interesting to me at some point I felt like I had to choose I had to choose to focus on this one thing and I had to choose not to consider certain other points I had a roommate in my second year who is I mean, she's a fairy. Like, she's one of the most magical beings I've ever met. And she was the person I would walk into the room and she's like, I found this new conspiracy theory and it's so dope and you need to watch this. It's so fascinating. You know, it was just, and I was a scientist. I was just, I rejected this straight out. I was like, I'm not even going to watch it Mm -hmm. because if any of that would make mild sense to me I would need to question all of the systems around me and I can't afford that because otherwise I can't stay a part of the system so I was rejecting more and more and more parts of me which involved the spirituality you know I was getting so um, guarded if anyone would say like I'm gonna go and like you know do yoga or meditation I would just cough I'd be like that's just stupid you know I wouldn't even look at those things like it's crazy like 
you know, to imagine, I tell people about these things to know me now and they're like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, wow. No, I definitely, I mean, um, for example, when I started doing yoga and it was mostly just yoga asana to stretch, exactly. God forbid I would mention it to my dad because he would say this is like demonic. It is given yes. by the devil. Yes. And fuck, like breaking all of those patterns and still choosing. I mean, it was okay because I just wanted to rebel at, at certain points and levels, but it is real. Yeah, totally, right? How many things we don't dare to just because of, yeah, the stories that have been attached to them and opinions of others. Exactly. It, to me, the biggest thing, why I think I managed to break out of this is because I was so far away from home. You know, my family mm. was in Slovenia. I was in England. Mm. I, I didn't have to talk about these things. I didn't have to talk about my path. They didn't need to see it. And mm. I needed that so much. Like looking back, it's like I needed to be so far away from mm. the, you know, people and spaces and environments that, cultivated those beliefs and so yeah, to experience it to experience something different right exactly yeah this is what Sagittarius energy encourages us it is exactly. about long distance travel encounters with different cultures so important to tap into those potentials within us as well I to me for me crucial I mean it's like I can't imagine going and living in Slovenia again because I'm like it's so uniform you know and I love Slovenia it's a wonderful country but this is something I know that if I went back I would miss very very strongly so then what started happening was that you know it's like at some point you're when you're hardening your ego and your coping mechanism so much at some point there's gonna start breaking there's gonna start pressing down on you because you created the shell around yourself that is so hard that you are limited within it mm -hmm. actually you have limited yourself it's like you have imprisoned yourself in these beliefs because you have to start becoming smaller and smaller and smaller and contracting Humble. for things to still it, yeah i mean everything right not just religious beliefs but even scientific the thing is that you're contracting you have to make your world intentionally smaller mm -hmm. for any of those things to still hold up You can't take certain alternatives. And to me, contraction is one of those signs that you're going into the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes phases of contraction are necessary, but only so that they can lead into deeper expansion. Yeah, as long as they don't limit you. Exactly. Truth is not meant to be limiting. No. It is meant to be expanding. Exactly. Liberating. Exactly. And for me, I started going into other directions because I wanted to expand that truth and for me those were also drugs and I did a lot of psychedelics Ooh. like I loved psychedelics when I tried them the first time I was like oh my god this is like the coolest shit ever everything's moving and patterns and the thing was after the first time I did psychedelics I couldn't get away from this like okay everybody's telling me that you know this is just some different connectivity in my brain but what if it's not mm. what if that's actually the reality would we yeah. experience there and our brain is just putting on filters because you know i studied neuroscience so at that stage i knew enough about mm. how the brain worked that i was like that. hmm interesting you know like your brain yeah. is not good at creating what it's never seen and what you experience ah! in psychedelics is something you've never seen i love that explanation and i was like ah that's interesting 
I was like, I can't get behind it that my brain just made this up. My brain can't make just something up it's never seen. Yeah, I love that because I, I can totally relate to that. So for me, these altered states of consciousness always felt more familiar and more, more homey than my 3D reality. Totally. <laughs> I totally resonate with that. Like even now, when I, when I would take LSD, I would feel like, People are finally functioning in the ways that I function in my everyday life. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you can start having the conversations about things you've always wanted to talk about. People open yeah. up. There's like this heart-to-heart energetic connection. It was the same with MDMA on a different level for me. But it was this like mm-hmm. heart opening. Like now that I understand energetics more, it's like MDMA is an insanely potent heart opener, mm-hmm. right? And Basically, there was a lot of drugs in my uni years. Like, that's how I'm going to conclude it. But the point was the drugs were there to look for altered states of reality because it was coming from the place of knowing there is more out there, more than this everyday limited, structured, like Mm -hmm. oppressing reality sometimes that others try to tell you you have to limit Mm, yourself. And drugs were a way for me to get there easily. I mean psychedelics and other plant medicines and substances they're such a potent portals especially when used consciously and intentionally so used even like in ceremonial yes environments ceremonial context yes and to me at the end i'm gonna bring this story to the end what happened was that in my last year of university i went through like some periods of really really extreme extreme stress where I had, you know, it was just, it was nothing major, but I basically had full-time master. I was working two jobs on the side. I was Ooh. competing in boxing at a national level and I was applying for PhDs and it all collapsed into like one time frame where I had like, I was traveling every day. I was broke as shit. I couldn't pay my rent. Like everything was too much. And I went into a space where I went on a couple of drug vendors that weren't psychedelics. It was a combination of like so many different things. Mm. And I ended up in a space eventually where I was completely burned out. And for the first time, what started happening was that my mind started going a little bit insane. Like there was the thoughts that I was having, the ways I was thinking, there were so many difficult emotions. There was so many, so much anger, so much frustration built up, so much of my mind just running, running, running. You know, I was writing those streams of consciousness in the evenings. I was writing like 17 pages of just pure like anger coming out. And I reached the point where I was like, this can no longer go on. I was like, this is not me. Like my soul is literally screaming at me that something is wrong. It was this deep internal feeling of like, I can't keep going on like this anymore. And I didn't know what it was. And, you know, as it happens, the universe is trying to tell you something when the shit is happening. And as I got to the point where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I need to get out of this. Ayahuasca came into my life. I was like, in the most just way I, I never planned to do ayahuasca. Like I, it was always the thing I was like, this is curious, but you know, maybe when I'm like 50 or 60 and like, I need to like revisit some things in life. Right. And well, the plan was a little bit different, clearly. So you're never too young for the truth. <laughs> you're never too young for the truth. Yeah, that's exactly. And I went on a retreat, which 
well, I did ayahuasca. I, I met ayahuasca in San Pedro, Hape, all of these things. It was like holotropic breathwork, the whole package with two shamans. And mm. um, it was all done in a, I mean, really wonderful way. Like I could not have asked for a better experience with that, given how much stuff is out there with plant medicine, which is not necessarily mm-hmm. carried out the way it should be. And this is something I want to say, like, you should always make sure you work with people you can trust when you're doing something like that, because you can end up in a very vulnerable space. Yeah, I was so lucky and I worked with two just incredible, magical people. And it was really ayahuasca that on the first night, it was two nights in a row, it shattered my ego completely. It was seven hours of crying. It was like such a horrible, such an uncomfortable journey because I was trying to control, you know? It's like the classic, yeah. thing. I was trying to hold on. There was so many beliefs. There was so much tension build up. And I was, I was like, we got to get rid of that. <laughs> like, It's not going to be nice. Hmm. And then on the second night, I was basically... I like to call it just like kind of shown the real nature of reality, shown the quantum field, shown the field of consciousness, shown the field of pure potentiality and love mm. that we are all a part of. You can call it God, if you will. And to me, that kickstarted the whole mm. process. That night changed everything. It changed. I had to completely wow. rethink my identity, my belief systems. It shattered everything in a single night it's the best way possible like I wouldn't want it any other way but this was the breakthrough for me where I was like everything needs to change how is it for you (laughs) I can I can really relate and like the I, I I remember that spiritual meme which is like a new way of sharing spiritual knowledge just a meme that says like I wrote a song about my spiritual awakening. It goes something like, ah! <laughs> it's just That was it. My spiritual awakening was five, six, seven hours of crying on the floor <laughs> in my sleeping bag. Like, that's it, guys. Mm. That's what it looked like. It wasn't pretty. Mm. Well, I have to say that for me, my first ayahuasca journey also completely kicked my ass and really shifted my reality or the way that I was relating to my reality. Um, after that for, after that ceremony, I've done a few in like a quite short time span. And after that, I was forced to change so many things in my life because they just didn't resonate anymore. So I quit drinking alcohol. I gave up smoking. I completely left my music industry career, which I loved. And it, in a way, it was giving me a lot of freedom and traveling and had a flexible schedule, but it just wasn't my truth anymore. It wasn't supporting the lifestyle that I was shifting into. So that was in 2018. Oh, boy. (laughs) God, the alignment is incredible. <laughs> yes, yes. I, actually, it was a very potent year. I wonder what other people experienced during that year. Because I've talked to a lot of people who also had their breakthroughs then. But for me, it actually came in different packages, in different stages, of course. And I think some of the most potent spiritual activators for me have been my relationships. And my natal chart also (laughs) reflects that. But after a very traumatic first relationship, when I was 17, 18, 
I was completely drained, energetically depleted. A lot of allergies showed up. I was barely living and sleeping. And so I went to see a bioenergy healer that has become one of my first spiritual teachers. And I still go to see her every few, like a few times a year. At 18, I got initiated into Reiki. And there are like three main levels of Reiki. So I've just recently done the master level. I really took some years to integrate that energy and be with it. But Reiki was like a first spiritual practice that I have gotten into. So it is basically a healing practice where you connect to the source energy, to that pure light energy to be expanding your energetic field, clearing any stuck energies, etc. We're not going to go too deep into that. Um, but from there, I went on to get more life lessons and do more stupid shit. <laughs> so then yoga introduced me to meditation and pranayama, which are breathing techniques. So for a while, I was quite into guided meditations because at first I didn't know how to meditate. So I just looked up a bunch of shit online and got led towards astrology. I was always interested in it. But then I, through my yoga studio, I came across a Vedic astrologer who opened up many concepts to me, especially regarding Vedic philosophy. How However, it wasn't the greatest experience because the reading that he gave me was quite rigid and it left a huge impression on me, but in limiting ways. Mm. However, you know, being able to question that, even though at first it kind mm -hmm. of paralyzed me almost, I was like, oh my God, no, what is my destiny? Um, but it's like, no, I, it's not the ultimate truth. I have a choice on how I'm going to take that information. And so because I wasn't happy with the reading that I got, I went on to breathe mm -hmm. on my own and learn mm -hmm. more about astrology. And that then kind of sparked more of my interest towards Vedic philosophy. So I traveled to India at the beginning of 2019 to do a yoga teacher training. I was planning on to be there for three months. <laughs> without a plan except to do the training. However, that went bananas. It's a long story, but basically after half of my training, me and a few others ran away from the ashram because it was just wrong. Like their approach that didn't allow us to question concepts and was actually quite abusive. Yeah, just I it wasn't in my integrity to even hold their mm -hmm. certification. And so I followed this Indian boy to Mumbai <laughs> where I met his philosophy teacher. And wow, that has been one of the most important initiations of my life. And so I stayed in India for half a year studying Vedanta philosophy, philosophy of oneness with her. Um, Yes, 
and I did another yoga training there, which also opened up my understanding of yoga. That is not just this physical postures, but yoga literally means to mm. unite, unity, to become one. Mm. And the difference between the traditional yoga, which is much mm. more meditative, that leads us towards more of us and not just yeah, yoga asana with post postures. And yeah, I got familiar with different kinds of yoga from Hatha yoga, which balances the mind and the body to Jnana yoga, which is the yoga of the intellect, the wisdom, which has always been my favorite having Sagittarius moon, just discussions, the philosophy. But now I'm much more opening towards Bhakti yoga, the yoga of emotions, devotion, unconditional love in everything which spirituality now means to me, you know, like anything that gets me into more presence, deeper connection with myself, that expands the sense of love inside of me. Um, yeah, anything that connects me to more love. Through karma yoga as well, the yoga of action and non-attachment, right? And yeah, there are like many others that we could mention. Yoga Nidra has definitely been a very important aspect of my life, especially when I got back from India and I got a triple fracture of my ankle and any kind of feet injuries I see as life mm. redirecting our path. Um, and so, yeah, I was left on a bed rest for three months, not being able to walk and yoga nidra, just like calming the system, connecting to the body, the subtle bodies, different levels of our bodies. Yeah, a huge influence. And then expanding it to Tantra yoga, the liberation of energy, the union of Shakti and Shiva, masculine and feminine. This is where a lot of my interest lies right now. Mm, that bad rest, needing to learn to walk again, has been also a practice. But that actually led me to... Yeah, I wasn't able to hide. I wasn't able to distract myself. I was just lying there with myself and the darkest corners of my soul. Shadow work, baby. Like that was my, my year. Um, and from there on, I fully embraced um, what I was being called to. Like I left my cool music industry job and fully committed to my spiritual service, which is yeah, what I do now. And it's been one of my biggest spiritual practices to be able to ooh, share it with others. Mm. Mm. So good. So good. This is also what it's really become for me. I mean, I've always been interested very much in this service-oriented approach to life. It's always been clear to me I wanted to do something that would help people. Yeah. And this is why I went into neuroscience because I was like, I want to figure out how to help people struggle with mental health. Mm -hmm. And well, that's also what I still do just in a very different form now, because it teaches you through this journey that you have to look deeper than at the level of the physical body. If you are mm -hmm. ever to heal and fully get in touch with yourself which is where healing comes from right healing comes from deep within 
your connection with the field, with the infinite limitless potentiality in you at the subtlest level. Yeah. And there are so many of these practices you can use to get you closer to this part of yourself. Yeah. I'm really interested in what kind of practices do you connect with right now? Mm. So one of the biggest spiritual practices for me has been my habits actually mm -hmm. which is a bit of a different approach but that's what I teach as well mm -hmm. because it's the way to align align yourself on a on an everyday level like every single day you do certain things that bring you closer to yourself and they span the whole spectrum from nutrition sleep mm -hmm. exercise meditation taking care of every single level of yourself you know I also take this from the yogic understanding of the five layers of the human body right so we have the densest layer which is your um, physical body that most people think of themselves as being and then there's your energetic body mental body intuitive body and bliss body and the habits are meant to primarily take care of the first three which opens the portal to wisdom intuition and bliss which is the closest you get to the source so this has been a huge thing And that's the thing. I feel like it is actually so simple, but then we feel like it is too simple to be true. So we complicate mm -hmm. it. But how can we simplify our approach to spirituality, <laughs> yeah. to truth? And how can we move just yes. from knowing and understanding yeah. the concepts to embodying our truth, to leaving our spirituality? Exactly. And this is, to me, it's huge because the way I teach these habits and the way I'm learning to understand them more and more is that this is, again, it's not a rigid system. It's not like you have to do these 10 things every day. Mm -hmm. First of all, there's flexibility within each of them of figuring out what works for you mm -hmm. and then approaching them with the last habit we have is actually easeful living. Mm. So it's learning how on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, basis you're bringing more ease into your life. You're mm -hmm. surrendering into the moment. How can you make a choice that when a situation arises, you embrace it with ease? Mm -hmm. You learn to relax into it and accept it and feel into it and not escape from it. Mm -hmm. And you bring this into all of the other habits. So you don't approach them from the perspective like, I have to do this. I have to force myself to do it. But it's like, hey let's check in with our bodies you know how can we collaborate on this journey that is going to be today what can we do that's going to nourish us that is going to bring us deeper and it's not about meditating for one hour in the morning and in the evening if you've got one minute to sit down take two deep breaths it's good like you know it's good exactly. you have taken a minute for yourself and to me This is the first thing that needs to be addressed. Like, stop thinking about these crazy, long, super involved spiritual practices or routines that take three hours in the morning. If you can do it, fantastic. Go for it if that speaks to you. But if you're a mother with three kids that need to get to school and be prepped food and all of that, like, we're not going to go there. Mm. And no one is going to tell me that you have to follow a template to be spiritual, to have yeah. a spiritual practice and to connect to yourself. It's not true. Mm. But there are practices you can do and integrate in your everyday life that resonate with you at a specific stage of where you are right now and that mm. feel right to you. 
to bring you closer in touch with who you are. Yeah. And to me, that's my keystone yeah. um, aspect of my spiritual practice. How can I bring this into very mundane parts of life, which is what Tantra is actually all about, right? When you really go down to it. Mm. And that's the thing. Anything can be a spiritual practice. Anything that helps us get closer to ourselves, become more present, whether that is making yes. coffee in the morning, yes. cooking and eating mindfully, being in nature, lying in the sun, even creating art and craft, totally. building totally. That is mindful living. And the spiritual practices that we dedicate separately are just like reminders, like to strengthen. Like you go to the gym, right? To train yes, your muscles so that exactly. you are stronger in your everyday life. Exactly. That's what spiritual practices are. Getting us, oh, yeah. Yeah, I love this. And, and this is really, it's also, you mentioned bhakti yoga and devotion. And it's approaching mm. it from this point. You know, it's to me, it's devotion to myself but not from an ego perspective, but who I truly am as this limitless mm -hmm. spirit who's here, here with an agenda, <laughs> which in my case is to help others, right? And to bring them closer to themselves. Like that's my truth right now. Yeah. And focusing on yourself on all of these levels is just so you keep yourself at an, if you want, vibrational level, energetic level, whatever you want to call it, really in touch with this part of yourself that you can respond to life mm. from that stage that you're not reacting from your old patterns you're not reacting from your ego you're not defending yourself you're not limiting yourself but you're interacting with life in this playful truthful way mm -hmm. which is coming from the point of from the place of who you truly are yeah. and that's what spiritual practices are for it's not to punish yourself it's not because you have to do it because it's not so you can be a good spiritual person yeah. if you're doing it for that reason that's ego. That is ego. And you should be careful about that. Ooh, that is big. That's a huge one. Yeah. To not even do these practices so that we can fix ourselves and be no. better human beings. <laughs> no. But that's the whole game changer for me, even in like the shadow, sensual shadow play area of like, I'm not doing this to fix myself. I'm doing this to get to know myself, experience myself yeah. on a deeper level. And I loved the questions that you posed because even though my morning and evening routines and rituals can stretch quite long, but they keep changing. And every time to pose question, questions like, what am I devoting myself yeah. to? Who, how do I want to serve today? what would be the most loving thing to do right now and then move from that intuitive knowing exactly and i love this because you know this is a huge thing one of the habits that i teach is breath body practices right which for most people will be exercise or it can be pranayama but you you, I approach it from both perspectives, perspectives, the practical, which is like do, you know, softening, hardening and cardio exercises. So you actually train you in a balanced way, which is important, but also take into account how do you want to feel that way? So if you're someone who struggles with anxiety, feeling super ungrounded and scattered, you are not going to do a super intense and hard and fast practice you want to bring the sensation of grounding 
into the way you start your day. And the opposite, if you're someone who feels quite stagnant, you're going to bring the opposite. You're going to bring something energizing into your day so that it brings the energy into the practice that you want to cultivate, which is how I see the future of the wellness and fitness industry to go to. Again, moving from this intellectual, like, you should take these boxes because that's what a scientific paper showed to like, hey, what's your truth? Yeah. How do you want to feel? What feels good to you? exactly mm -hmm. and i love this aspect and to me this is all part of a spiritual practice in your day-to-day -day life yeah yeah some of the practices that i like to incorporate in my day is definitely super simple like any kind of mindful movement or, or just being more aware of how my body is moving and feeling but also when it feels um heavy a shaking, a simple shaking of our body and our hands yeah. and incorporating some audible breathing, like just loud exhalation that can clear our energy field um, super quickly and easily. Totally. And then music as a spiritual practice, I think you already mentioned at the beginning. For me, it is mostly about dancing. <laughs> dancing is so good. Shifts my energy. Yeah. And connects me to my pleasure, connects me to my sensuality. Oh, yeah, those are like something that we can do all on day-to-day -day basis. Totally. And again, right, it can be a minute. Mm. It doesn't have to be a long thing. It's like you can just go, I shake at work all the mm -hmm. time. Like I will go outside and just shake my body to get out any stagnant energy that accumulates when I sit for longer periods of time. Yeah. Super good. However, I do have to say that having a morning and evening ritual definitely brought a different quality to my life. Absolutely. So I definitely do dedicate, like in the morning, I will first stretch or engage in some self-pleasuring activities that don't even always have to be sexual, but like mostly sensual, loving yeah. my body and my energy and playing with sensation and pleasure. Yeah. That has been huge. But then... Also, I have an altar in my room, which for me is just a remembrance of the sacred and divine inside all of us and in life in general. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, I put different things on my altar, but it's that devotion, that space that allows me that when I sit in front of my altar, something in me automatically changes because through these practices, I have cultivated that shift of energy. And so whether that is candle gazing, mantras, affirmations, I love to start my day by pulling a tarot or oracle card and then meditating on it. Sometimes I meditate on Reiki symbols or any kind of symbols. You know, you can meditate on a rope you can meditate on the ocean Anything. and just observe what shifts in your energy field so we already mentioned breathing techniques not only pranayama and breath work but also just being aware of our breaths throughout the day in stressful situations <sighs> and journaling oh my god that has been a huge part of my path oh my god it's something i recommend to everyone it's like in my course yeah. i just give people homework i'm like this is an event that bothered you journal it out journal it out journal it out yeah. it's huge it is putting it out there 
changing the perspective, uh, having a gratitude journal, and just writing down your visions for the day, for the energy that you want to carry. However, to the point that the journaling doesn't become a distraction from going deeper into the body, into the feeling, into the essence, because it is still the engagement of the mind. Mm. And to shift from that journaling, I have really incorporated, incorporate, incorporated tea and cacao ceremonies, which has been, oh, like, especially when done in groups in, with community. Mm. This is where I met God on some of the deepest levels, like to see God in a cup of tea, you know, the simplicity. <laughs> um, yeah, super powerful. And yeah, how can we tend to ourselves on a more subtle level? For example, energetic shower and baths, using the cleansing power of the water self-massaging yeah that's huge i was gonna say it's one habit that i actually put into a course is self-massage which is also what you talked about getting into mm-hmm. this sensual experience in tending to every part of your body like mm-hmm. reconnecting feeling into it being like hey how, how are we doing yeah. today you know like how are we doing today so big and you So many people think you need someone else to give you a massage, Mm -hmm. but what a privilege to give it to yourself. You take the power into your own hands and you're like, I am going to literally put love on me. We do massage in Ayurveda, massage is done with oil. And the word for oil in Sanskrit is sneha. And the same word sneha also means love. So by applying oil, you're literally applying love on your body. What a privilege. It's so good. Are there any practices that you are curious about or would like to do more of still? Oh, God, yes. (laughs) Every time I'm like, I want more time. Yes, God, yes. Yes, God, show yourself in different ways to me. (laughs) Bring it, God. Um, But to me, my practices evolve with my curiosity. Mm -hmm. It's what I'm interested to explore next. So right now, just like you, I'm working a lot with journaling, shadow work, neural reprogramming. And to me, what I've been getting really interested in recently is relying less and less on the external and more and more on the internal. So I will always, you know, environment is super important like how you structure it is super important how you structure your life your relationships I could say structure but like design is maybe a better mm-hmm. word super important what you put into your body is super important but there's the aspect that on the inside level of you your pure energy you're connected to the source which is limitless potentiality and the quantum field and I'm getting really interested in exploring those energetic levels and learning how to tap into that. I developed a super cool theory the other day, which connects like the relativity theory and like quantum physics with like limitless potentiality before the Big Bang and then devolving into the current universe, which basically means if we can tap into the quantum field, we are back into the state of limitless possibilities, which means we're not limited by what our current universe is let's say the laws of physics that are present in this universe right which is where we could say 
that's where miracles happen, what we call miracles, but we just call them miracles because we don't understand them. <laughs> so once we start understanding the quantum field better and how tapping into it can bring those things about it, more people can start tapping into it, right? And this is, for example, what Joe Dispenza works a lot with. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting super interested in learning more about those parts and practicing them myself. So mm -hmm. I think this is where I'm, what I'm seeing on the horizon for me. And also one thing that I know is coming on the horizon is more plant medicine work, <laughs> which is kind of like pulling constantly. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's, that's also on the horizon, I feel. What about for you? Mm, yeah, really cool. So I think more of the breath work, uh, mm. those have been also some of the most potent spiritual experiences that I've had. Uh, but also more singing, like singing opens up the heart and also the connection between the throat and the yoni. Yeah. For me, it is always expanding on how much pleasure I can hold and how much I can surrender to that. Mm. And for that, I'm super curious is to dive more into shibari so the sacred ropes mm, tell me more about that oh uh, i cannot tell you more about that <laughs> it's a because <laughs> i don't know this is where i, I try to expand i had a few experiences um but it's basically the sensuality of the ropes on your body and it's mm. all about surrendering and trusting yeah. so i'm definitely the one to hang <laughs> and to be tied up however you know it works both ways also uh, to tie up and feel that kind of trust from another um, but mm. yeah definitely a practice of surrendering yeah. um, and also cultivating a deeper connection with my moon cycle uh, mm. one of the mm. essential aspects of being in a manifestation of a human body <laughs> so working yes. with blood is definitely yes. something that i want to expand on and i want to try floating have you seen do you know about floating no. like when you go into no, this what's that? You, you go into this mm, i don't even know what to call it a capsule of complete darkness and you float on in a water tank and all of your senses are taken Basically away of Ah, sensory deprivation time. Ha <laughs> that one. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be super interesting to try. It sounds a little bit freaky. It sounds like a K-hole. Like, you know, when you take too much ketamine? But, um, <laughs> do you know? I, I think you? it would be interesting to try. No, what's that? <laughs> it's been a while. So I think sensory deprivation is going to be the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, you know. That sounds very cool. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and this Sagittarius eclipse, that is the last eclipse in this Sagittarius Gemini cycle, it is completing some significant karmic cycles. And I see it as an opportunity for some effortless change, an opportunity to deeply shift our belief systems and mm invoke that spiritual growth to become more aware of what we have taken as our truth what we hold as our beliefs how we judge others for their beliefs and also ourselves for what we don't know or what we used to hold as our truth and just mm -hmm. to see where we hold that deeper wisdom and knowledge through our life experiences so 
essentially I see it as expanding what we believe is possible for us in this lifetime. Yeah. And I think this is, this is what we would invite all of you into. Yeah. Reflect on these things. Reflect on your belief systems. Where are they coming from? Are they, are they actually yours? And do they resonate with you? Or is it maybe time to take some of that Sag energy to expand and explore and tap into other possibilities? Yeah. Maybe upgrade your belief systems a little bit. I mean, to see where certain new direction, new life paths yeah. might be opening. Yeah. What new journeys do you wish to embark on? Or maybe what new mm. horizons have been offering to you? And how can mm. you trust in what life has been bringing to you and opening up? How can you trust life more, even when it doesn't, doesn't make sense? How to take the risk of following your unique truth and embodying what deeply resonates with your soul instead of what you have been taught? Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, and you know what my friend Yeva Saluna, a wonderful shaman. So if you don't want to get a card reading with me, I highly recommend Yeva. What she said, what she shared with me recently was that, you know, the truth, it is not always what we choose to believe. Sometimes this truth will simply choose you. Mm. you no, know? sometimes we would love to be ignorant, but we come to a point where we just cannot anymore and we can try to resist Absolutely. and we can try to hide or we cannot hide from spirit. We cannot hide from God, from the universe. There comes a time to surrender. So how can we surrender more deeply to the truth of who we are and what we came here to experience? I hope Amen. Fuck yeah. That's it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Ooh la la. So invitation to maybe share with us what kind of spiritual practices feel the most truthful to you, the most liberating, expansive. And for this Sagittarius season and beyond, how can you live them, incorporate them in your everyday life more and more, deeper and deeper. And just the last thing that I'm going to say, <laughs> there's always more I can say, but the last <laughs> thing is... Jupiter on her moon! <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Hell yeah. And the solar eclipse too. Um, this Sagittarius energy brings a sense of independence, but that doesn't mean that we have to go at it alone. Yes. And as always, if you feel like you want any extra support with that extra mm. conversation, we would love to connect. I, you know, integrating things into your day-to-day -day life is kind of my speciality. So if you're interested in that, let's talk about it. Mm. If you're interested in going deeper into connecting with your energy, your blueprint, Eva is going to help you with that massively. So get in touch with us. We always love to start a conversation. Yes. And we're looking forward to connecting with you in any way. If nothing else, for the next episode in Capricorn season. Brrr.
Thank you everyone for being here with us. And we're super excited to share more explorations with you. Bye.